it's truly, it's truly been a wonderful day of worship. Uh, Amber and David called this past week and let us know that David got, uh, Amber, was it three weeks paternity leave from the army? And that they were going to be coming home and that they would be in church today. And we are so thrilled that we were able to dedicate baby Julia today. And we pray for you all as you continue on your journey and pray for David as he serves our country and all the rest of the women and men at Fort Rucker as they serve our nation. Um, thank you very, very much. And so you're looking at your watches and you're like, well, how are we going to get a sermon in after all of that? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to do the, the very best we can with God's help. And remember that word help. It'll, it'll come back later in the message. I'd like to invite you to listen to the words of Psalm 27, verse 1, and then verses 4 through 9. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servants away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my Savior. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In his book, Fearless, Max Lucado writes, We fear being sued, going broke. We fear the mole on the back, the new kid on the block, the sound of the clock as, as it ticks through life. We sophisticate our investment plans. We, we create elaborate security systems and legitimate stronger military, prescribe many medications, and yet we are more fearful today than we were back in the 50s. Lakato continues and says, Fear, it seems, has taken a 100-year lease on the building next door and set up shop. We all deal with fear. Maybe this is why the phrase fear not appears so often in the Scriptures. Pastor Rick Warren says that that phrase appears 365 times in the Bible. Fear not, the King James translation. And that would be one time per day. And I did my own little study, and I know what Dr. Warren is saying that uh, there are 
passages that we can focus on every day, but there are a whole lot more passages in the Bible that address fear than 365. I did a quick search and counted over 500 occurrences dealing with our fears. So whether that exact number is 365 or whether it's 600 doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is that the Bible says a lot to us about facing our fears. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, the most frequent or the most uh, recurring command that Jesus gave was, do not be afraid. That command appears more often in the Gospels than the command to love God and to love neighbor as yourself. So think about that. One of my very favorite passages of Scripture that deals with fear is the one that you just heard me read, Psalm 27. In its context, we believe, written by King David, it reveals how he trusted God and had faith in God over the course of his life and and reign. It was also very helpful for God's people as they came back after Babylonian exile. They sought God's help to rebuild the temple and the city and the walls, which had all been destroyed. They faced many fears, internal fears and external fears. And these words resonate with us from that part of history. And as a Christian, these words help us to trust in Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. When the disciples faced the tempest at sea, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and they became completely calm. Matthew 8, 26. When we face the tempest of life as Christians, we will face them. Just because we are Christians does not shield us from storms and difficulty and persecution and adversary. But we know that Jesus is with us and that the same power that He used then to calm the winds and the waves is the same power that He has in our lives today. Psalm 27 reminds us that we can fully trust Jesus Christ to calm our fears no matter what or whom we face. There's a whole lot packed in just the first verse. David gets right to the point. The psalm is about God and no other. The Lord is. The Lord is. The Lord is. Jehovah is the Hebrew. The Lord is. It's not about anybody else. It's about the Lord. The Lord is our light and our salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. This is about God and no other. He uses three metaphors to describe God in this verse. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Not the government is. Not the president is. Whoever the president might be. Not my money is. Or my intellect is. Or my privilege is. Or my power is. Or my position is. But the Lord is. The Lord is all we need. It reminds me of what Paul wrote when he said in Romans 8.31, If God is for us, choir, then what? Who can be against us? If God is for us, church, who can be against us? David says, he's my light. And I'm reminded of the story that Dr. Jim Flaming told in one of his sermons. And the book exists by the same title where it's called Poking Holes in the Darkness. He writes of Robert Louis Stevenson, who is most known for his book, Treasure Island. And young Robert was in poor health most of his life, 
And one day, or it was in the evening actually, his nurse found him with his nose pressed against the frosty pane of window glass in his bedroom. And his nurse said, child, come here, you'll catch the death of cold. And she fussed at Robert. But Robert wouldn't budge. He sat right there, nose pressed against the glass, mesmerized as he watched an old lamplighter working his way through the black light, lighting each street lamp along his route, pointing, looking at the nurse, and then pointing out the window. Young Robert exclaimed, See there, look, there's a man poking holes in the darkness. I believe that is what David implies when he says that, G- that God, we understand Jesus is our light, that Jehovah God pokes holes in the darkness that we might see the light come in. John points to Jesus in this same light in the prologue of his gospel when he wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's our light, and he's also our salvation and our stronghold. Salvation means redeemer. Strongholds means that he is our strength. David knew firsthand how God saved him and how God delivered him, especially as Saul persecuted and pursued him. David looks back and in this passage of the psalm, I believe, and reflects on God's past activity, how God was with him in the past. Same, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, we hear these words. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. From violent people, Lord, you save me. He looks back, and then he looks to the present. And in the present, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And he's asking this as a rhetorical question. Perhaps there are enemies around him. And he says, whom shall I fear? No one. Maybe there are people who are friends of his who are listening to him. And he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And they say, nobody. Whom shall I fear in the present? No one. Nobody. And then David proclaims his trust of God in the future when he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, whom shall I fear? Nobody. But the the verb in of whom shall I be afraid is future focused and it is interpreted with pregnant anticipation. Um, Of whom shall I be afraid? Whatever is coming in the future, uh, whom or whatever shall I be afraid? He's professing his faith and trust in his God for whatever the future brings him. And again, I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here the Scripture moves us to a posture of loving others, especially those who are different than we are or those who think differently than we think. We may encounter someone who's on the other side of the aisle or who has an adverse perspective on Christianity or who may have some other uh, desire to uh, harm us or cause us to feel bad. And, and I'm reminded of the words of Howard Thurman, who was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr., who wrote a little book called Jesus and the Disinherited. And it is said that Dr. King carried that book with him in his coat pocket. Thurman wrote, quote, You must abandon your fear of each other and fear only God. Meaning the awe of God, the reverence of God. Oh, how this country and world would be better if Christians across the land could just model this kind of trust in God and in one another. Instead of being afraid of others who are different, that we would find common ground and seek to work together for the greater cause of humanity. He's looked back. He's looked to the present. He has looked to the future and seeks to trust God in all those ways. And then in verse 4, he petitions God, and he said, just one thing. One thing I ask. And that's it, one thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing. This is David's hedgehog concept. If you're familiar with Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, you know that there's the hedgehog focused on one thing. He quotes the old Greek parable. Hedgehog and the fox. And in the parable, the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. And that's when the fox pursues it, that he balls up, and the fox never wins. The hedgehog wins every time. David knew one big thing. David had his hedgehog concept, the Lord, and he sought to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. That simply means to be present with God in worship as long as he would live. And in the rest of this passage, there's a lot more to it, but just a couple of things. In verses 4 through 6, we see David asking this, this one thing for sanctuary. For sanctuary, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Sanctuary, a safe place, a refuge, a safe haven. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, the Scriptures speak of cities of refuge, which were sanctuaries, which were safe havens, safe places for people who had committed a crime that they would be able to stay in the city of refuge and be free of harm until they were given a fair trial by the assembly. This is where we get the word today, sanctuary city, where some modern cities have opened themselves up to asylum seekers and refugees so that they are able to await a, a fair trial or their asylum hearing and provide basic human essentials to them. This is that concept, the one thing that David is seeking from his Lord. It's as refuge, shelter, tabernacle, to be lifted high upon a rock. One thing. Isaiah captured this when he wrote, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And David ends the passage that we have today with a prayer, verses 7 through 9. There's more to, the, to this psalm. I invite you to read it later this week. But in verses 7 through 9, he offers a prayer. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart seeks you. Seek his face. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. The word translated helper is the word in the Old Testament Hebrew, Ezra. Ezra. Just like the character in the Old Testament, which the book is named after, Ezra. Ezra means helper. Lord, be my Ezra. Lord, be my helper as I go through this life facing different things I'm afraid of. I leave you with this story again from the boyhood of Howard Thurman. He was reminded in his church how God cared for him. And he writes, And God cares for me. To be assured of this becomes the answer to the great of violence. Yea, to violence itself. To the degree to which a man knows this, he or she is unconquerable from within and without. And then he tells this story. He says, when I was a young boy, Halley's Comet visited our solar system. For a long time, I didn't see the giant in the sky because I was not permitted to remain up after sundown. But my chums had seen it and told me perfectly amazing things about it. And I also heard of what were called comet pills. The theory was that if the pills were taken according to directions, then when the tail of the comet struck the earth, one would not be consumed. One night, I was awakened by my mother, who told me to dress quickly and come out into the front yard with her to see the comet. I shall never forget it as I, if I live forever. My mother stood with me, her hand on my shoulder, while I, in utter speechless awe, beheld the great spectacle with its fan of light spreading across the heavens. The silence was like that of absolute motion. Finally, after what seemed to be an interminable amount of time, I found my speech. With bated breath, Thurman says, I asked my mom, what will happen to us if the comet should fall out of the sky? The sky is falling. Fear. My mother's silence was so long that I looked from the comet to her face, and there I beheld something in her countenance that I had only seen once before, and that was when I came into her room and found her on her knees in prayer. When she finally spoke, she said, Nothing will happen to us, Howard. God will take care of us. God will take care of us. Oh, simple-hearted mother of mine, in one glorious moment, you put your heart on the ultimate affirmation of the human spirit. Many things have I seen since that night. Times without number, I have learned that life is hard, 
life as hard as crucible steel. But as the years have unfolded, the majestic power of my mother's glowing words has come back again and again, beating out its rhythmic chants in my own spirit. Here are the faith and the awareness that overcome fear and transform it into the power to strive, the power to achieve, and the power not to yield. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Church, the Lord, the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? The Lord is the stronghold of our lives. Of whom shall we be afraid? I pray that as you go forth facing whatever or whoever it is that you face, that the Lord will be your Ezra. The Lord be your help. Amen. Thank you, Lord, our Jehovah Ezra, our Jehovah help. God, our light and our salvation. God, our stronghold. God, our redeemer, our deliverer. God, our friend. God who punches holes in the darkness. Thank you for this beautiful day of worship. And I pray that you would help us to trust you no matter what we face, no matter what our fears, that perfect love casts out all fear. In Jesus' name.